Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. High interest rates, high risk. He had paid more money that he had lent and he didn't understand why. What storefront lenders are now offering instead of payday loans to borrowers who need quick cash. And a customized pair of hearing aids can cost thousands of dollars. The cost can be prohibitive for people on really fixed incomes. But are the over-the-counter hearing aids the right solution for everyone? From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined this week by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs and Open Record executive producer Sarah Smith. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, December 1st, and boy, does it feel like December outside. We know there are people in Wisconsin right now who are struggling to make ends meet. And Jenna, you had a report that aired Wednesday night, last night, if you're listening to this the day we publish, about a type of loan being offered at storefront lenders not payday loans, but something else. It's become common over the last decade. What is an installment loan? Installment loans are actually incredibly common. They've been around for a really long time. But over the last 10 years or so, storefront lenders that used to really emphasize the payday loans have restructured their offerings to really push installment loans instead. So what is an installment loan? It's a loan that you pay back, often with interest, in regularly scheduled payments, which are the installments. It may take weeks, months, or years. Some examples include your auto loan, your mortgage, and personal loans, for example. But here's the difference. When an installment loan is not issued by a traditional bank or credit union, it can be like a payday loan in that it's quick cash and the interest rates can be really high. We're talking triple-digit interest rates, whereas at a bank, you might get a single digit interest rate. Um, And that's partly because Wisconsin has no state cap on interest rates. Uh, There was some data that came out recently from Pew Research that said installment loans are now the most common type of payday loans. They fall under that umbrella in Wisconsin. And borrowing $500 here will cost you on average $395 over four months. So that's an interest rate of more than $300. And one thing I discovered through my reporting on an annual basis, right? I mean, it's it's not more than three hundred percent of the amount after four months. But if you annualize it, that comes out that way. Okay. yes. Good point. Thank you. Um, Now, um, one thing we found out that's confusing for a lot of people in Wisconsin, people use the term payday loan and installment loan interchangeably often in conversation. They get the two confused, but they're actually not the same thing. A payday loan is a smaller short-term loan. It has a 90-day limit. It's capped at $1,500 or 35% of a customer's income. And installment loans don't have those same restrictions on the term limits or the lending limits. They don't have the same level of state oversight. So they can be risky as well and really expensive to pay back. Okay, so I hear the word risky, I hear no cap on interest rates, I hear things that what I would see as like a negative. So why would someone even pick or choose this kind of loan? 
So these loans are really for people who think they won't qualify for a loan at a traditional bank or credit union, or they know they won't qualify. Maybe they have a bad credit history or they have zero collateral. Maybe they deal only in cash or they're an immigrant without a banking relationship. Oftentimes these are people who live paycheck to paycheck and maybe they have a sudden financial obligation. Maybe somebody died and they have to pay for a funeral or a burial, something where you need a large sum of money fast and you don't have a rainy day fund to get it and you want to get it quickly without hurdles. So this is really fast and easy. You can just walk into a store or log onto a website and have it within minutes. And people don't always think about the final balance when they're in need, right? They look at the payment schedule and whether they can make those payments without issue. And to give some balance to this, we have reported on payday loans in the past and the lenders have told us we lend to people who can't get loans anywhere else. They have nowhere else to turn. We, we lend to them and we charge these high interest rates because we're taking on risk as the lender. So that's the other side of the coin. I know that the term payday loans for, for many people is, is almost kind of like a bad word because around the country, there's been a lot of efforts to crack down on the really high interest rates, particularly because the people who are going to just get an advance on a paycheck for a couple of weeks are often desperate. And therefore, they're also vulnerable to these extremely high interest rates. And then they find themselves locked into uh, you know a system they can't get out of. Um, how is this different from payday loans? Is it just the, the length of the term? Is it just that this is instead of a couple of weeks, this might be a few months? Are there any other differences between payday loans and installment loans? Well, payday loans have, in general, higher interest rates, but they're over a shorter period of time. These loans are for a larger sum of money, maybe a lower interest rate, but over a longer period of time. So that can also be problematic. Or some would argue that these rates they're charging are predatory. It's the reason a number of states don't allow payday lending at all, or they've made the restrictions so tight that the payday lenders can't operate. Um, but there's, there's a reason it's being offered by the same lenders, right? Because they do offer them quickly, they offer them to people in need, and that is very similar to payday loans, and there is a need for that kind of lending for people who can't get the money elsewhere. Um, but th there's also some issues with oversight and disclosure. I don't think we know as much about how many of these installment loans are going on because they don't have to be as reported as payday loans, but they are similar, but also, you know, the, the specifics are detailed and the specifics are different. In your story that we saw, you introduced us to Michael, who did get one of these installment loans. So what was his kind of journey through that and what did he experience? Right. So Michael got a loan in the spring of 2021. He walked into a check and go store in Milwaukee and he was homeless at the time. So he was desperate and he was granted $1,700 for a hotel room and food. That's what he was going to spend the money on. And he got an APR of 130%, which turns his $1,700 loan into $4,700, meaning this will cost him about $3,000. But he says what he looked at was the monthly payment, which was $206. He said, I can do that. Um, he claims that he did not understand what he was signing up for in terms of the APR. Um, he believes he was taken advantage of because he's a senior and he has a speech impediment. Um, Check and Go disagrees with that. Uh, so what we did is we hooked up Michael with two organizations that I discovered through this story, and I hope to work with them again, Bank on Milwaukee 
and the Riverworks Financial Clinic. They are nonprofits that help people with financial issues. And they said first, well, let's let's file a state complaint against Check and Go. And so he did with the help of some friends. And Check and Go responded basically saying, no, we don't feel he was taken advantage of because he's actually gotten a loan from us before and he paid it all off. Um, we should say Michael has been on time with every payment on this loan as well. Um, and it's in their notes that he agreed to the APR. Um, so what we're doing at this point is Michael's going to continue working with the Riverworks Financial Clinic on his financial goals and his well-being. But Check and Go did not feel they should waive the remainder of his loan, which they have done for us in the past. So I know that they do that in some circumstances, but they felt that the evidence was there that he understood the terms. Michael, in, in the story, is very clear that he, he does have a, a, a speech issue that makes it a little harder to understand him. You, you do wonder if, if he was confused by this. And, and as a journalist, someone who's confused comes to you, maybe they just don't understand. What I found really compelling here was it wasn't Michael who came to you. It was a private investigator who was trying to help him, an advocate who was helping Michael, who looked at this and said, this is wrong and Contact 6 needs to know about this. Did that have some sway over you in terms of uh, whether or not this was a story that was important to, to let our viewers know about? Well, it did. We were contacted by a woman named Sheila. She's a private investigator in Oak Creek, and she has a relationship with Michael. She helped him with a past issue. Um, and he comes into her office for time, from time to time, and they talk about certain things. And he had brought her the terms of this loan, and he didn't understand if he had already paid back the $1,700, why he was still making payments. And when she looked at the, the paperwork and saw that high APR, she was taken aback by it. And she brought it to us because I think she had found some reporting we'd done on the past, and she thought maybe we could help with this issue as well. But it does help that he had someone um, in his corner who was arguing for him as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think that always helps. I think it's really good that he has people that are helping him with these kinds of decisions. And yeah, I think that bolstered his argument. Are there any efforts by lawmakers in the state to cap interest rates? Oh, there have been so many, actually. Um, and actually, it's been bipartisan in the past. Um, but lawmakers just can't seem to get this passed. Typically, more Democrats support this than Republicans. But in 2021, there were Republican lawmakers who put forward a bill to cap these triple-digit interest rates at 36%, which is what the rate is in a number of states that cap them. So right now, Wisconsin is among really only a handful of states without payday lending rate caps. It has among the fewest safeguards for consumers in the country. So for just a moment, I'm going to pretend that I am a, a lobbyist or a PR person on behalf of Check and Go or one of these uh, installment lenders. And they say, look, these are people who can't get loans at traditional banks. It's risky. A lot of them are, there's high default rates. The only way we can make this work and make it profitable and make these loans available to some of these people is if we charge high interest rates. Otherwise, it's a losing proposition. Is that what they said to you? Is that kind of the key argument? Or, or what else do they have to say about this? Well, that's some of what they've said in the past. When I reached out to Check and Go, they told me they couldn't speak about Michael's specific situation. It referred me to its website. Basically, um, there are paragraphs about installment loans online that say we're an alternative to applying for a credit card or taking out a payday loan. Um, and for some people, these longer terms for these installment loans, the higher loan amounts are better for their situation. Maybe they won't be able to pay back their loan in 90 days like you would a payday. Maybe they don't have the pay stubs that are needed for those kinds of loans. Um, so they would, I think you summarized it really well, that that's probably the argument they would 
they would make. And they do run credit checks. I did see they ran a credit check for Michael. His actually his credit score was surprisingly not not that bad. Um, so there was some checking done on him, but obviously a traditional bank would do more. So if I don't have a great credit history or, you know, just my, my monies are not really in order, um, what do you say or are there, is there advice for someone who is thinking about taking out an installment loan? Right. You know, it's interesting. I asked Bank on Milwaukee whether they would say, don't get these loans, right? Would you ever advise someone to not get these loans? And Constance Albert said, I would never tell someone don't because I, everybody's got different situations and sometimes you need to get money fast and this might be your only choice. Um, but they would still advise, even if you're in a hurry, to shop around and maybe try a traditional bank or credit union first just to see what they say. And if, you, if it doesn't work for you there, go to these storefront lenders, go online and compare rates because you might get a better option at one location over another. And then they said, this is also a good example of why you should start working on that rainy day fund, even if it's just five, $10 a month. Because there's, uh, I think it was the Wisconsin Bankers Association told me four in 10 Americans can't afford an emergency of $400 without selling something or getting a loan. So they're saying, you know, in the future, you never know what's going to pop up. If you could start putting away a little money at a time, that would help as well. Speaking of sticker shock and trying to save some money, good news for people who need hearing aids. They are now available over the counter. They hit shelves in October, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean an over-the-counter hearing aid is right for you if you are uh, uh, having difficulty hearing. Jenna, what did you learn about over-the-counter hearing aids, uh, and what should somebody know if they're considering that they've, they've walked through, uh, I don't know, CVS or Walmart or somewhere, and they see them on the shelf and they go... Well, that's a lot less expensive than they were going to charge me for those prescription hearing aids. Maybe I should go for it. What, what, what did you learn? I actually found this to be really interesting because there are so many Americans, like 30 million Americans who suffer from hearing loss. These hearing aids are now available both on store shelves at places like Walgreens and online at places like Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Best Buy. And they range from $200 to $3,000. So I would still argue this isn't necessarily a cheap investment. The one we found at Walgreens was for $800. And the difference with these hearing aids that you buy over the counter is you don't need a prescription and you don't need a hearing exam to buy them. And the goal of this is to basically um, make hearing aids more widely available to a wider range of people, people who don't like going to the doctor or maybe think it's going to be too expensive to go through their insurance even. Um, but we found through our reporting that these really won't be a solution for everyone. We spoke with an audiologist who basically compared them to the reading type glasses you can buy at Walgreens off the rack. They may help some people, that may be all some people need, but not everybody is going to benefit from these specific types of hearing aids. And she really recommended getting a hearing test before you even buy off the shelf to find out if you're a candidate, if they'll even work for you. And a hearing test should be covered in full by your insurance. You can get a referral from your primary care doctor. So she said, maybe it will work for you, but find out for sure first by getting that hearing test. So, you know, whether it's cost or insurance or maybe stubbornness or whatever, um, 
there's probably a lot of people still out there that could use a hearing aid, but don't. And there's numbers to back that up. So, like, you know, do they have an, a reason as to why people might not go get them? Yes. Well, cost is a big reason. Like you mentioned, a lot of people who need hearing aids are seniors on a limited income. So a few thousand dollars is a lot of money. Uh, they may last a lot longer than these over-the-counter hearing aids, but it's expensive. And there's also a stigma. People don't want to admit that they can't hear. They picture these big devices in their ears when actually the ones I noticed when I spoke with people, you can't really even see them. You know, I, I, this is this is maybe an aside, but I just wonder if what might have changed that a little bit is the fact that everyone's walking around with, you know, AirPods and other earbuds in. So it looks perfectly normal to walk around with an, a, a piece of something in your ear, whereas maybe at one time it didn't. I don't know if that has any effect, if that's sort of helping erase the stigma, but it just popped in my mind when you said that. Well, those earbuds also have a detrimental effect because more of us are going to need hearing aids in the future because of those, those earbuds. Um, I had spoken to some experts who say, you know, our generation is losing our hearing faster. <laughs> but that's a side note. But one thing I really thought was interesting about this reporting was that hearing loss is connected with overall health, right? Because it leads to so- social isolation. If you can't hear, people stop communicating with you. Maybe they stop inviting you. Maybe you sit in the corner at the family reunion and nobody talks to you. And that's a risk factor for depression, dementia, and Alzheimer's. So I, I really hope that more people are able to get hearing aids. You just made me think, what if, what if we find – here's the investigation, Jenna. What if hearing aid manufacturers are also selling earbuds and it's like vertical integration? They're setting up customers for the – no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, it, just, it just came to mind. It is interesting, though, the, 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 the crossover between how much we're doing with sort of close-range sound – and the impact that's having, I'm sure audiologists have real concerns with the music people are blasting in their ears. Yeah, they talked to me about that a bit. But also, if you're interested in kind of the tech of it, tech behind it, Brian, hearing aids are getting really advanced. I mean, they can hook up to your computer. You can alter them on your computer. They can program them to work in your ear. Someone said you could even get Google in your ear. There's all sorts of high tech connected with hearing aids. It's actually pretty cool. You talk about audiologists really want you to get that sort of prescription they want you to go through the test. They want to craft this for you so that it's just right for you if you have serious hearing loss. If it's mild to moderate, you might benefit from the sort of off-the-rack the, the hearing aid. Technologically, what are the differences? I mean, I know that that's sort of the advice. You've got to, you talked about sort of comparing prescription readers, which are sort of a one-size-fits-all versus, um, you know, getting a prescription eye exam that has glasses fit for you. But technologically, is there a significant difference between the prescription hearing aids and the -the over-the-counter hearing aids? Those who make hearing aids would argue yes. And the audiologist I spoke with, I will say, said she prefers some people uh, get some hearing help than no hearing help at all. And if this is the only way they can get it, well then, great. Um, But we spoke with a a company that makes customized hearing aids, and they were a little critical of these over-the-counter hearing aids, saying, well, in many cases, they're simply amplifiers, which means they take the overall volume of the room and raise it, amplify it. And that can be really helpful in some situations, like at home or one-in-one conversations or just watching TV, but it won't necessarily work in a restaurant, for example, where there's a lot of background noise. And actually hearing loss is kind of complicated. There can be issues with pitch and frequency in addition to volume. And prescription hearing aids will specifically address those particular issues and they can be programmed and reprogrammed to adapt as your hearing loss worsens. That's not necessarily the case with all these over-the-counter hearing aids. And also 
simply, they're not fitted to your ear either, which can be painful after a while if you're wearing something all day that doesn't fit perfectly. Who should I be asking, you know, are these right for me kind of thing? I mean, should that be my audiologist or, you know? Yeah, I think the, I think you can talk to your your general doctor, your primary care doctor. They can refer you to get a hearing test. And then I think that audiologist is really your best resource. Um, and find out what your, your insurance might cover if you get a prescription pair because you, you never know. Insurance coverage really varies. Some insurance companies cover everything. Some cover none at all. Most are somewhere in between. But I did speak with a woman who has hearing aids for this report. She bought them 10 years ago. And yes, they were expensive, but she still wears the same pair every day. So it, if you can't afford it and make that investment, it, it would be worthwhile. But just talk to your primary care doctor. That's a great first step. So, you know, if I'm going to find a common thread here today, do your homework if you're going to get an installment loan. Do your homework before you get an over-the-counter hearing aid. And definitely do your homework if you're going to use an installment loan to buy an over-the-counter hearing aid, right? That, you said it so well, Brian. In all seriousness, there's a question here that I think is is, is one that is maybe, you know, when we talk about the importance, obviously hearing is important, but what does it say? I, I know I, I've done stories on, we've done a number of stories on a eye doctor, optometrist practicing without a license, somebody who's not an eye doctor. And, and I've talked to actual optometrists who say, there's real danger when someone misses something on an eye exam. Your eyes are the windows to your health. How about hearing? How, how, what kind of a connection is there between hearing and your overall health? There's a really big connection, actually, because sometimes a hearing test can detect the cause of your hearing loss, and that might not be what you think. It might be damage to some nerves. It might be a common reason for your hearing, but it also might be a tumor or another reason like that. So if, if you're someone who doesn't know the reason for your hearing loss, you should probably find out, especially if your hearing loss happens suddenly, then you definitely need to get it checked out. Um, but I think that knowing the source of your problem is also important because you just don't want anything to go overlooked. And I also just, again, with with the loneliness that can come with not being able to hear, I don't think that can be um, overemphasized either. I think it, it, that's a, a spiral as well. Sarah, if you don't mind me asking one last question here, because I think this is, you might have said this earlier, but I do wonder when it comes to the over-the-counter hearing aids themselves, how big of a difference is there? Is the $300 one necessarily inferior to the $3,000 one, or do we not necessarily know? I can't say I compared all of them, but I'm sure the higher end ones, the ones I, I scrolled through online, they offer a lot more features and you would think they would work a little better. But again, I'm not an audiologist, so I would definitely recommend finding out for sure. But I, I, I like these two stories and the reason Contact 6 reported on them is because they affect issues of people with limited incomes, right? If you have ample resources, you can buy your hearing aids. You don't have to get an installment loan from a storefront lender. You can go to your regular bank. And I, I like doing the Contact 6 reporting because I like focusing on these communities um, that have their own unique challenges and, and shouldn't be overlooked. Let me just say real quick, a quick Contact 6 shout out because we just wrapped up November and it was a great month. Got $32,000 back for viewers, saved them, got them back, you know, however you want to say that. It's a banner year. I'm excited to see what December brings. So we have, you know, 31 more days and I can't wait to see where this ends this year for the viewers. Yeah, I, I just think we are so lucky to have our case manager, Annette. She is doing so much great work 
behind the scenes following up with everyone who files a complaint. She and I meet every week and we, we walk through cases and, and whether we can take them and how we might be able to help. And if we can't help, the resources we can refer people to. And I'm just, I'm really glad we have her on our team. She's making a real difference. That is as good a time as any for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual and have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And here to ask us that question, of course, is executive producer Sarah Smith. What's in store this week, Sarah? Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, this is a fill in the blank. Just one. Um, One of the best parts of being an adult is... Because we always talk about, oh, I got bills to pay and responsibilities Mm -hmm. and jobs and kids and families and things. I was going to say I have an immediate answer. And maybe that says something about me. But it's eating what I want when I want. (laughs) And not having to justify it to anybody. (laughs) That's also a a downside of being an adult. Well, it is. It's both. But if I feel like, you know what, today I'm going to have some ice cream. It's the morning. I'm just going to do it. You know. Cereal for dinner, you know, which I also am okay with if my family wants to eat cereal for dinner. But I feel right. like when I do it, I'm like, you know what? I'm a grown woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. And obviously I'm not completely a hog. Like I'm, I'm eating healthy most of the time. But if, you know, I like being able to uh, to eat what I want without judgment, without someone saying, yeah, here, have a bowl of carrots after that. See, I have, you guys know, obviously I have a daughter who is 20 years old and in college. So we have a lot of conversations now that she is an adult about the sort of freedoms she's experiencing, the autonomy she has. But I always think of Spider-Man when I tell her this. I said, because, you know, like you have great power to make your own decisions. But of course, with great power comes great responsibility, which sort of brings you down. Right. Like you can eat whatever you want, but you're going to pay the price later or you're going to have to hit the gym or whatever it is. For me, I know this is gonna, you guys are probably going to appreciate this because you have younger ones, particularly you, Jenna, who I don't know if any of them still take naps. But for me as an adult, it's the idea that. Like, when you're a kid, naps are the worst thing. You hate naps. You don't want anyone to know you take naps. As an adult, you want to take naps, and you don't care if you tell people, I'm taking a nap. And it's socially (laughs) acceptable. I love that naps are socially acceptable as a grown-up. I have so many relatives that just sit on the couch and fall asleep for 15 minutes. (laughs) What a blessing. (laughs) And nobody says a thing about it. They are just like, yep, that's what, you know, Uncle So-and-so likes to do. No big deal. That's awesome. I went, I, you know, I thought about this and I think it's more for me. I have, am now finding that I am in my later years of life that I think the best part is that I really care less and less <laughs> about what people think. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, absolutely. I'm not going to keep things in my brain if I'm, you know, obviously there are some filters, few, but, you know, I mean, if I feel a way or if I have an idea, I am less scared, nervous, whatever, fearful that people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe she thought that. No, I'm probably just going to say it, you know? So, um, because, you know, I don't know. Again, they're well thought out. I just, I don't care as much. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) Along those lines, you also find out your, your feelings don't get hurt as much, right? Like if you don't get invited to something Mm -hmm. or you find out someone said something maybe about you or they didn't like something that you reported or whatever, I find that it doesn't hurt my feelings the way it used to because, you know, you're sure enough in yourself. And you have your priorities. I feel like my priorities are way, I mean, 24-year-old Sarah and now, you know, 40-something-year-old Sarah, 
priorities are completely shifted and I'm good with like my top five, you know? You know, it's funny. Mm -hmm. You talk about the whether you were invited to things. And I was thinking about there was an age at which whether or not you were invited, whether or not you made the cut to a wedding um, guest list was just huge. Like all the things I've done for that person, I worked Mm -hmm. side by side with them. Now, I almost hope I don't get invited because it means I've got to buy a gift. A Saturday is taken up. You know, the whole thing. I, I'm I, like, I'm grateful. I might send him a gift anyway. But I, mm-hmm. I like the idea. Sometimes not being invited is a blessing because that night I'm going to sit home and I'm going to watch Netflix or whatever In it might be. Juggers. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a lot of emotional energy that you just don't care about mm-hmm. spending anymore. It's it's fine. I'm, I'm good without it. Actually, let me correct myself. I'm going to binge watch Fox 6 News. I just hey. wanted to, yeah, right, see? Um, you know, it would be, it would be interesting. What, what if we had newscasts that were like episodes and you could binge a season of the 10 p.m. or something like that, wow. you know? That's that would be, that, well, yeah, that would, yeah. that would be an awful lot. But you know what? As an adult, if that's what I want to do, I can do it. You can do there. it. You can even binge listen to Open Record. You know, I, I, so I have to ask you guys this question before we go. Do you listen to Open Record on your own time? I do. If I'm on the episode, I can't. I don't really hate the sound of my voice, (laughs) which then as I I, when I'm talking, I don't hear how horrible it is. But when I'm like, if I walk past Dave's edit bay while he's editing the podcast, I'm like, (laughs) I I always want to know sort of how it would be perceived by someone else listening. And I also want to know how like the cold open edit sounds. That's the stuff at the top where you have the the music and the sound bites. And Dave does such a tremendous job with those. So I want to hear sort of how that sounds. And once it's playing. I'll just keep letting it play. But the problem is if it's a part where I'm talking and someone comes in and they hear me listening to myself, I'm incredibly Ooh, self-conscious. Yeah. Like cool, you're just cool. listening to yourself. But I want to know – it's more I want to know how it came off. Did it work? Did it not work? Um, so I do. I don't listen to them like again, but I'll often listen to the episode just to make sure it was good. And Listening, listening to yourself while your mic is clipped to your Emmy is just <laughs> – <laughs> The bee's knees. (laughs) We've talked about it before. It's the right height. We've talked about it before. It's the perfect height. And if you've seen an Emmy statuette, it's got this little sort of ball at the top, which is like, what isn't that supposed to be like the atoms or whatever, you know, spinning around? I think that's what this is. And and so it's it's got like perfect things to clip a microphone to. And it's right at my mouth level. So it is perfect, but it is kind of ridiculous to be clipping a microphone to an Emmy. I to just do like a giving you a hard time. Aren't the Emmys this weekend? You might have some they more hardware. Are. The Emmys are to this pile weekend. Around you. And and by the way, I'm 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 talking to a microphone clipped to an Emmy as I drink coffee from my 2021 uh, National Murrow Award winning uh, open record <laughs> coffee mug. So <laughs> and talking about listening to myself. <laughs> Ryan is presenting on Saturday, Jenna. Did you know that? I heard that. How exciting. I can't yeah. wait. I heard I heard he might have been a little disappointed that it cuts into the open bar time. Is that true? Uh, we've, already, we've already got the logistics figured okay. out. Okay. You know okay. what? You know, I'm I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but I, so there there's for those who don't know, when we go to the we go to the Emmys, they they sort of time this out where they have a, a free cocktail hour from five to six before dinner starts at six and then the awards at seven. And so that free cocktail hour is when everyone and I mean this is people in the media, free stuff, we are all over it. Um, and so the lines are, you know, out the door for the, for the free drinks and then they cut it off and the drinks go to like $18 a cocktail. So everybody's trying to, you know, two fist a couple of drinks so you can kind of nurse them throughout the night. And, and, the, and I have to have a presenter's meeting at 515 
uh, in the grand ballroom, and I thought, that's right in the middle of the free cocktail hour. It's not that I need to drink so much as I don't want to spend the money, and I know that makes me sound incredibly cheap, but... He makes, I, he makes journalistic bucks. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I sent a, an email to my wife explaining the plan of, like, so we're going to be in line at five, we'll get a drink, then I'll go to the thing, and you'll get another one, so when I come out, there's another one ready for, for me to have a dinner, and she said, I can't believe you're planning the alcohol at the Emmys, but... Hence, that's what I did. Well, good luck. Thank you, Jenna. Um, if you have a topic you would like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, please send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, of course. Executive producer Sarah Smith, thanks as always for being here. No problem. And Context 6 is Jenna Sachs. Awesome to have you on the podcast. Love talking about your stories. Oh, I'm always happy to be here. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.